Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand, please, and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to high higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before. All the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. A letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to, to, to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness of truth the right to set aside the former way of life in order to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. Or the other calling could be given the right or the anointing, the anointing to set aside the former way of life in order to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. Practically, the right to power is anointing. Anointing is the right to a legitimate power or authority. What kind of anointing is this referring to here? As we know, anointing is defined by our calling. And what is our main calling? The casting out of demons, evangelism, the salvation of the world, signs, miracles, wonders, some kind of good works or other kind of religious actions that we were not sent to do. Scripture says that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and did we not cast out demons in your name, and did many wonders? And he said, then I will tell them, then I will declare. Declare means there will be a judgment. He will declare judgment to them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So they, these people of whom the Lord said, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, they did not understand where and how it is necessary to use the anointing of God because the anointing of God is defined in the knowledge and definition of our main calling. And based on what we hear from our pastor, Apostle Brother Arkadi, our calling is the adoption of our body for which God has prepared a new heaven and a new earth. 
and for the fulfillment of this commandment written by the Apostle Paul and presented to us in this series of sermons of Apostle Arkadi, there are three fateful commands and fundamental actions. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And from the fulfillment of these three requirements will depend the perfection of our salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed so that we can gain it as a property in the format of the fruit of righteousness. And with regard to this, we have stopped to study the 18th Psalm of David, in which acknowledgement and proclamation of the powers contained in the heart of David and the eight names of God had allowed David to call and love the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And it gave God the basis to use these powers of these capabilities in battle against the enemies of David. The enemies of David. And Pastor, almost on every service, every service he reminds us that we have three kings in one man that exist. In the face of David, who represents for us renewed thinking, in the face of Saul, representing for us the rational and intellectual capabilities of person that were not renewed in the death of the Lord Jesus and that consistently ex- resist the will of God. And Amalek in the face of the old man, Scripture says, the remembrance of which we are called to blot out from under heaven. So the memory of the old man we are called to blot out. Saul has to undergo death and we see that David had these enemies appear and each of them each of them tries to spread their influence on all of the essence of man and place their throne in the heart and God through David is intense to place his throne in the soul and the body of a person but God begins to affirm and establish his throne in the essence of a person from his heart scripture says above all things keep your heart pure for out of it will flow the sources of life. So the Lord begins to establish His throne in the heart of a person. And then from the position of the heart, He begins to renew the soul of a person. So to renew our spirit with the spirit of our mind, the spirit of our mind or the spirit of Christ, the mind of Christ. This is the teaching of Jesus Christ that is engraved in the heart. This is the mind of Christ. And now it is necessary with this teaching that is engraved in our heart, on the tablets of our heart, Scripture says that now in our heart there is a mind. And this mind thanks to the, is thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's necessary with His mind or without truth that is engraved in the heart to renew our thinking, our Saul, so that then David could come to power and authority. So Saul needs to undergo death and in his place must stand David. And then when a person renews his soul, saves his soul, he then begins to save his body. And it can be saved when Amalek is going to be destroyed fully. This is what happened in David. And scripture says that the remembrance of Amalek had to be fully blotted out from under heaven so that the remembrance of the old man could be fully blotted out. Otherwise, the Lord won't be able to rapture us. And we learned about David, Amalek, or rather, Amalek and Saul learned about David when David overcame Goliath, and then they began to war with him. 
So our body and our soul, our Amalek and our Saul, they began the, became the enemies of David when they saw that there is he who is able to destroy Goliath. How can we make it so that we destroy Goliath? Pastor told us three steps. First, in order to destroy Goliath, it's necessary to be like David. It's necessary to tend to the sheep of our father. Those shepherds, or rather those that flock we ought to tend to and when we tend to the sheep of our father we receive the authority over the lion and the bear this is the first step that is necessary to undergo to have the opportunity to tend to the thoughts of our father which gives us the right to authority or to demonstrate authority over the lion and the bear over those thoughts that come into our head we now have an opportunity to control our thinking and to hold it captive. And if they turn against us, we take them and we kill them in the name of the Lord Jesus. When the Lord sees that we are attending to the flock of our Father, that we have authority over the lion and bear, He will send Samuel in our life so that Samuel can anoint us as king. So who is king and who is prince? This is a person who is able to rule over his horse so to rule over his emotions this is the second step that makes David who he is we are talking about how would we make it so so that we receive these enemies in the face of Amalek and in the face of Saul we need to just arrive to this when a person is born again he is still in a cardinal state and Amalek and Saul they are not his enemies they are his leaders they live among Amalek Saul was king Everything is as it ought to be, but when he begins to tend to the sheep of his father, when he begin to, begins to destroy the lion and bear, then he comes the word of God in the face of Samuel, the preached word, and anoints him to the kingdom. Now he understands that he receives the opportunity not just to kill the lion and the bear here, but it turns out that he can also control his emotions. Prince having a horse, meaning a person having control over his emotions, this is the second component. Goliath, pastor, had beautifully shown the program of the old man that reveals itself in the will of a person. And when it reveals itself, why does the old man find a need in the will of a person? Because this is power. And Israel, when they saw Goliath, they ran away from him. And they said, well, who can come against him? As David said, I can. I can overcome him. Saul said, you, a young one? But he is a warrior from his young age. He is a warrior. He knows his work. As we see, David had everything to overcome Goliath. And the third that is necessary to do after we have the opportunity to tend to the sheep of our Father, when we are anointed to reign over our body, we can control our emotions, our thoughts, and our emotions are in our control. That's it. But then Goliath is still alive. Now we need to enable our lips. Now we need to demonstrate through the proclamation of the faith of God how we can throw the stone into the forehead of Goliath. And when David had proclaimed this word, or when he had thrown the stone, and how did he take the stone? He came to the river, and he chose five smooth stones. He took from that preached word that God had offered him, the word of God, he made it the property of his heart, and then with this proclamation, he threw it through his proclamations, and he overcame Goliath. And the Philistines and the Amalekites, they were shaken 
there was a new king that appeared. Saul began to look at him suspiciously and say, well, how does this young person have such an anointing? This is the anointing of a king, priest, and prophet. Therefore, saints, when we say, well, how? How can we overcome the old man? It seems impossible. We overcome him here in the face of the lion and the bear. We are anointed for to reign through the preached word, and now we can over control our emotions. And third, we proclaim the word of God. We overcome Goliath through the proclamation of the faith of our heart. In David, in Psalm 18, verses 1 through 4, he expresses a prayer to the Lord so that God can protect him from his enemies. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. He had done this, and here we see that he had proclaimed the word of God. He had called upon it, and this was that deadly stone for Goliath. And when a person uses these principles, which David had used, then he will find the enemy in the face of Amalek, the memory of which is called to be fully destroyed and blotted out, and in the face of Saul, our intellect. And so, eight names, let's read them and proclaim them all together. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are the rock in whom I will trust. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear the proclamation of the faith of our heart, and may He endure all these truths in our heart and our thinking and in our proclamations. Here are the eight names of God, and Pastor said that they are poured out in all 50 names of God. Sometimes people say, well, can you name all 50 names of God? You know, we have stopped at this fourth name. I don't want in relation to God to never show curiosity. I need to at least understand these eight names, and I know that through these eight names we have access to all of the names of God. That's why I am ha glad with that format so that I do not enter into the service of angels, the service to which God has not called me, or with my intellect I do not implement into those spheres which the Lord has not uh, sent me to, because there can be a lot of uh, woes that can happen. I'm grateful for that format, and that pastor told us that these eight names are enough, and they're all poured out in all 50 names, and this satisfies me. And so in a certain format, as far as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we have already studied our lot in the powers of the names of God. These are the name of God's strength, rock, and fortress. And therefore, we will turn to studying our lot or our portion in Jesus Christ in the name of God, Deliverer. So all of these names are tied between one another. And it is enough in prayer to proclaim each name. Four names, at least, that we have already covered, they can produce a revolution in our life.
sometimes we say there's a lot to say to we need to say to be heard by God because God can hear us only through a multitude of words no God can hear us only through the proclamation of our faith and when I say Lord you are my strength what do you mean Lord you are my rock you are my fortress Lord you are my deliverer even these four names is enough to already be delivered from that state in which we could have been found in only these names because when I say Lord you are my strength it is a short phrase but there is so much meaning that is contained in it out of that material that was already given to me and in the material in which we dwell in in the name of the Lord you are my strength we show that the Lord had magnified his word and he is unchanging and faithful to his word he is a servant to his word and he is strong that's why when we say, Lord, you are my strength, we say, Lord, you are unchanging in your word. He says, continue on. We then say, Lord, you are my rock. He says, what do you mean? We say, Lord, if we have magnified the word of God and your commandments and your statutes, why? So that we can take these commandments and statutes, these rocks, these weights, these scales, and begin to measure ourselves and weigh ourselves on, this, on the according to the words of God, and all that does not coincide with your divine standards, all foreign impurities of the flesh and the spirit to depart them from our life. After this, we say the third name, Lord, you are my fortress. Now, when we, through these commandments, when we collaborate with the name of God, Lord, you are my uh, rock, we have cleansed our conscience from dead works, now we are ready to accept a seed in it. Lord, you are my fortress. We run to you, and to run to God is possible only when our heart is cleansed from dead works, when we have fully cleansed ourselves from all impurities of the flesh and the spirit. And we run to Him. We run to Him in order to be fertilized by the Word of God. And then when we say, when we say Lord, you are my deliverer, He says, what do you mean? Lord, if I have come into your presence, I was fertilized by your seed of the Word of God. Now that which is going to be born in me, in the face of Methuselah, who is going to be grown by me, then you are going to allow me to overthrow, to cast out this Amalek, and to fully blot out the remembrance of him. The Methuselah, he who banishes death. And of course, he for us is not a goal. Our goal is to be clothed in the resurrection of Christ so that we can spend eternity with the Lord in the new earth and in the new heaven. And in order to be on the new earth and the new heaven, it is necessary today during our life to receive the adoption of our bodies. And so, the property and the lexicon in defining the name of God deliver just as in the previous names of God, has no relation to the meanings contained in the dictionaries of the world. Deliver contains the following seven components. This is a leader of the covenant, meaning the Lord delivers who? Only those who are found in a covenant with Him. Deliver, second, is the redeemer from the captivity of sin and death. So it's necessary to see ourselves in this captivity. And in the captivity of those characteristics, qualities, those ties which I despised in my parents, which I despised in my grandparents. Now I see all of this in myself, and I say, Lord, you are my deliverer, because I have seen my grandfather and, and my father in myself. Before, I saw them 
I saw these qualities in them and I hated them. But when I saw these qualities in myself, I saw my father in myself, not just in the mirror, I began to look like my father. But I saw the qualities of my father and my grandfather, which I despised. And now I say, Lord, deliver me, redeem me from the captivity of sin and death. Third, the Savior of the body. He is our deliverer as the Savior of our body. This is referring to the adoption of our body. This is our purpose. Fourth, deliver is a protector from the wrath of God. Not just, Lord, protect me from death, from illness. Protect me from the enemy. The Lord says, why not receive protector from me, from my holy anger? Fifth, deliver is the restorer of inheritance rights. So, someone is contending for inheritance in the face of Saul and Amalek. Three kings and all want to receive the authority fully over all of our essence. And David also wants to receive authority over the full essence of man. He begins with the Spirit and places his throne there in Jerusalem. And then, when we place the Word of God there and the truth of the Word of God, then he places his throne in our thinking when we renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind and third he places a throne in our body then when we have meek lips that proclaim the faith of our heart so david or god through david wants to place three thrones in our essence satan wants to place his throne through amalek and he begins his action from the flesh from the feelings how great it was in in church how beautiful the singing was how I felt today, the Holy Spirit. We must understand that God is based on the information that is contained in the Spirit. Devil, he begins to challenge the Spirit from the position of emotions, from those lusts which are in the body, or through Saul. When a person begins to judge everything through his intellect, but the Lord begins to challenge the Spirit Deliver six, he places us as his hallow in safety. Safety, which is God. And deliver seventh is preserving our deposit until the appearance of Christ. In this prayer song of David, in the name of God deliver, we can conclude that in the name of God delivers contain the inherited portion of the Son of God, in whom and through whom a person cooperating with the powers contained in this name, receives the ability to place the silver of his salvation into, into circulation so that he can receive income known as the salvation of his soul and the adoption of his body through the redemption of Christ. Considering this union between God and man, it becomes important, faithfully important, to define God's role as well as our own role in the sphere of our being. And for this purpose, in studying our portion in the previous names of God, we arrive to four classic questions. First, what characteristics and categories define our inherited portion in the name of God deliver? Second, what purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited portion in the name of God deliver intended to fulfill? Third, what price is necessary to pay to give God the opportunity to be our deliverer? And fourth, by what results can we define that God is truly our deliverer in the realization of our calling? And so in a certain format, we have already studied the essence of the first three questions, and so let us turn to studying the fourth question. And so the fourth question, by what results can we define that God is truly our deliverer in the realization of our calling? 
And here is the first component by which we can define that God is our deliverer. This is by knowing that our tent is in peace and our ability to look after our house so as not to sin. So if I look after my house, this is talking about my essence, so that I do not sin, the Lord says that my that my tent will be in peace. But if I do not look after my house and if I sin, then the Lord will not deliver me and there is going to be a danger that is over my tent. And so Job chapter 5 verses 17 through 24. Happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening or the punishment of the Almighty. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven no evil shall touch you. In famine he shall redeem you from death, and in war, from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine, and you shall not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. For you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. You shall know that your tent is in peace. You shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. Based on this allegory, the knowledge that we can receive that our tent is in peace and that we can look after our house so as not to sin will come to us through the admonition or the punishment of the Almighty which will consist of a punishment of such a kind which we will either accept or reject. So the safety of our tent will depend on how we react towards punishment. So the Lord, as it was beautifully written by Pastor, the Lord admonishes through chastening, through punishment, by such a kind that we can either accept it or reject it. This is how the Lord punishment punishes. A person can either accept it or reject it. The admonition of the Almighty given to us by means of a special kind of punishment is called to save us in six troubles so that in the seventh trouble evil does not touch us. So the Lord punishes us so that we can be saved from troubles, from troubles that come upon man as a harvest. Let's take a look at where the Lord saves us. Through punishment, when we hear the word that corrects us, the Lord wants to save us from the seven troubles through punishment and admonition to check ourselves for the fact that God delivered us from seven troubles that exist we should follow the six signs below and here are the six signs that the Lord has delivered us from the seven troubles later on we'll read about these seven troubles seven troubles which the Lord despises and which 
which we are called to punish in ourselves and to punish it's necessary to define them we need to see seven qualities which the lord despises and he says if we do not punish these seven troubles if we don't overcome them then the lord is going to admonish us through punishment how do we define pastor says here how do we define that i have seen seven troubles seven qualities which the lord despises he says here are six components that tell us that we have seen these seven troubles which the Lord despises and we ourselves have condemned them in ourselves then the Lord says during famine God will deliver us from death in war God will deliver us from the power of the sword third we will have the ability to hide from the scourge of the tongue fourth we will not be afraid of destruction when it comes fifth we will laugh at destruction and famine and sixth we will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth so why these guarantees? Why such a blessing? The reason why we can have six available signs of deliverance will be that we will have a covenant with the stones of the field and the beasts of the field will be with us at peace. And in this regard, we have a number of questions, answering which we can find out that our tent is truly in peace, which gives us the ability to look after our house so as not to sin, and that such signs will be evidence that God is our deliverer. And here are five questions which Pastor asks, and he provides an answer to them as well, so that we are able to see these seven troubles which we are called to overcome and to punish in our life, so that then the Lord can deliver us. If we do not overcome these seven troubles, then the Lord is going to admonish and punish us with famine, sword, destruction, the beasts of the earth. Why? Because we do not collaborate with Him, with His holiness. We do not want to judge ourselves according to Scripture. But Scripture says we are judged so that we may not be condemned with the world. So the Lord admonishes us through punishment so that we may not be condemned with the world. The question, why does the Lord punish me? Because I don't want to punish myself. Apostle Paul says that we each time read upon our um, breaking of bread, communion, that the Lord judges us, condemns us, so that we may not be condemned with this world. Well, I don't want the Lord to punish me. Why can't I be humbled? Well, the Lord says, well, then you have to see these seven troubles in your life and you must punish them. And when you punish them, I will deliver you from death, from the scourge of the tongue, from, from the beasts of the earth, from famine, from war, from all of this, I will deliver you. And so five questions that pastor asks us. First, what seven troubles will we get rid of through admonition received from the Almighty through the above punishment. So what are these seven troubles that we are called to punish in our lives and that we are called to be delivered from? Second, what kind of punishment is being sent to us for admonition by the Almighty? So here in the second sign, we will look at how God uh, punishes a person, admonishes him when he doesn't want to punish himself. Then the Lord begins to punish his sons and daughters to admonish them. How does he do this? We will see the essence of the cross of Christ when we study it. Third, how do we check ourselves for six signs designed to serve as a witness of us getting rid of the seven troubles? So these six signs which the Lord will deliver us from death, from war, from the sword, from the scourge of the tongue, from famine, from destruction, from the beasts of the earth. So how do we know that the Lord has delivered us from all of this? And what are these seven sides, signs which the Lord says He will deliver us from when we judge the seven qualities, seven troubles that we will read about later on? 
Fourth, about what about the covenant with what stones of the field are we talking about and what beasts of the field can we be with in peace? Pastor will show the difference between the beasts of the field and the beasts of the earth. And fifth, this is what peace for our tent are we talking about and how do we look after our house so as not to sin? What kind of tent and what kind of house are we referring to here? Pastor will uncover us that we are talking about the house of God and we are talking about also about each of us individually. And so, five questions. Let's provide an answer to them. And so the first question, what seven troubles will we get rid of through admonition received from the Almighty through the above punishments? Indeed, only after we can give a definition of seven troubles or identify these seven troubles, we will have the opportunity to comprehend the punishment sent by the Almighty for admonition. Because only through admonition received from the Almighty in the form of punishment, assimilated and accepted by our hearts, we will have the opportunity to work with God to be delivered from seven troubles, and God will have a foundation to save us from seven troubles. In Scripture, the seven troubles that we need to get rid of are the subject of God's hatred. Therefore, in order to collaborate with God in getting rid of these seven troubles, it is necessary for us to hate them. And so let's look at where these seven troubles are found, which the Lord despises, and which we are called to be rid of. And if we don't be rid of them, the Lord says that I will uh, I will punish you. Lord, you can punish me and provide your admoni admonition, but please define what do you despise in me? He says, okay, then I will tell you the things that you must uproot from your life to, and punish. If you don't do it, then I will have to punish you. So when God had provided punishment to David, um, and there were times where he had punished himself. And so Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Here's a list. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. And so here are the seven things which the Lord says. These are present in each person whom the, which the Lord despises. And if we don't deliver, he says, I will punish you and provide admonition so that these seven troubles, qualities, can be uprooted from your life. These are a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who does, sows discord among brethren. Based on the meaning of this parable, for God to deliver us from the seven troubles that the wicked and lawless people carry, we will need to get rid of these troubles within our essence, the carriers of which are our uncrucified flesh, which is reigned by sin in the face of our old man. So all of these seven qualities which the Lord despises, which begin from a proud look and end with a person who sows discord among brethren, these are qualities of wicked people. The question, we are talking about the wicked person who lives in us in the face of the old man, that he has all of these awful seven qualities. 
In scripture, the number seven is an image of either the fullness of righteousness in Christ Jesus, made dependent on the truth of the Word and the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart, or the fullness of ungodliness made dependent on reigning sin and trust in one's rational capabilities. So the fullness of righteousness and the fullness of lawlessness, the mystery of godliness and the mystery of lawlessness. And both are presented in the number seven. One seven God loves and the other seven he despises. And this seven, these qualities which we listed, have wicked people and our old man has, which dwells in me. Turns out that we don't need to look side to side. Turns out we don't need to see the wicked somewhere else. We need to see him in us. Well, if we see this wicked in us, then all the wicked and lawless are going to be running away from us. Because we need to be able to kill this wicked in us. The seven troubles determine the inner fullness of the state of the uncrucified soul of a person doomed to death. So an uncrucified soul of a Christian is doomed to death. If the soul heads to hell, it takes the spirit and they both go there together. Friends, our soul, our soul, the soul of Christians, our uncrucified soul, our uncrucified soul of Christians, is doomed to death, to hell. How correct this is and how sober these words are. It should be noted that until we understand the essence of the misfortune, the troubles that live in us, and be rid of the seven troubles inside us, the seven troubles that are outside of us cannot be our enemies, but most likely will be our like-minded people. Now that we know that the essence of the seven troubles yields the state of the uncrucified soul of a person who is dependent on his people, his father's house, and the corrupt lusts of his soul, we turn to the second question. Here, Pastor says, I'm not going to talk about what a pride look is, what a lying tongue is, what are hands that spread innocent blood, what are feet that are swift and running to evil, what is a false witness who speaks lies, what is one who sows discord among brethren. He says, I won't talk about this because... We were all found in this at one point. And for us, these are not revelations, something new that we haven't heard of before. These are words that are familiar to us. They have now become foreign. Why have they become foreign to us once when they were previously uh, dear? Because we don't want God to punish us together with this world. I say, Lord, if I do not punish myself, if I do not punish these qualities, please Punish me during my life so that then in eternity I am not punished together with the world. The Lord is going to punish this way and that way because we were born to suffer. And we have a choice. Either we are punished, uh, punish ourselves, or we allow God through His Word to punish us so that we not can be condemned with the world, or we together with the world will be punished. We can't, we can't exchange the cross for something else. From one cross, one goes to the throne. From another cross, a person receives salvation. From the third cross, a person goes to hell. That's the mystery of it. That's the essence and the fate of all of mankind. One punished himself on the cross. The other was punished on the cross. And the third, in punishment, went to hell. We must understand that we cannot pass this. 
Therefore, these seven troubles, these seven qualities, we won't talk and we'll continue on further. We need to uh, look at how we ought to deal with them. And so the next question is, what kind of punishment is being sent to us for admonishment, admonition by the Almighty? So how does God punish us? So proceeding from the definition of the seven troubles that are inside of a person, would determine the state of his old nature, it follows that the punishment of the Almighty, which instructs us to rid the uncrucified nature of man, behind which is the power of the old man, the bearer of the program of the fallen cheru, is the truth about the work of our cross with the power of the cross of Christ. And of course, there cannot be any other weapon. Christ had shown Christ had shown how the Lord punishes on the cross. And then our question is, do we collaborate? Christ gave himself up on the cross, but these thieves had to be caught to place them on the cross. They ran away from the cross. They were caught. They said, uh, to you be death. The verdict is death. Christ willingly punished himself. He says, I have the power to give life and I have the power to take life. I myself give myself up for these punishment. But these two thieves, uh, they were like one that was saved like a brand of fire and the other that went to hell. They didn't want to punish themselves and they didn't want God to punish them. But the Lord said, not one person will be able to pass me by without punishment. Each person born of God will be punished. First, I punish myself. Second, God punishes me while I'm living. And third, God in eternity will punish a person. And he then in heads in the direction of that is undesirable. This is what it says about the cross. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, so this soul which these, with these seven qualities which God despises, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life or will allow me to punish him, he will be able to save his life for me, and he will gain it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will man give in exchange for his soul? In this regard, we will consider one image in which the punishment of the Almighty instructed a person how he should be rid of the seven troubles living in his body. Let's take a look at this image. This is in the face of David. So the Lord told him how he ought to be delivered from these seven troubles. He didn't want to be delivered from them. We will see why. And then the Lord began to punish him through the famine. He says, Lord, why are you punishing me? He says, because you did not punish those seven troubles which I despise. He says, I will hang all these seven troubles up on the cross. And he did hang them up on the cross. Let's take a look at this beautiful illustration about how this occurred. This is Second Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. Scripture says, take a look at the beginning we read. The Lord says, if you will allow if you will be delivered from these seven troubles then during famine the Lord will deliver you from death and here is famine in the days of David year after year and David knew that Lord you are um, punishing me for what? we will read on and David said Lord is this for Saul and his bloodthirsty house because he killed the Gibeonites so the king 
King David, called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Because he says, on what basis do the Gibeonites, we are from the Amorites, why do they serve in the temple? A pure Jew can't enter, and these Gibeonites, they serve in the temple? Yes, they serve in the temple, because in the temple could be served only a person from the tribe of Levi or a servant. A Jew can't be a servant, and the temple could be only someone from the tribe of Levi or a servant. Jews couldn't be taken into slavery. That's why all of the tribes were fully without work in the temple. Only the tribe of Levi and the Gibe- Levi and the Gibeonites were able to be found there. This was the fate for them from the Lord. And the Lord behaved toward them as priests. And Saul says, on what basis I, a Jew, can't go before God and serve, but they go and serve in the temple, they carry something in there. He says, we ought to destroy all of them. But Saul wanted to destroy them for his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, Whatever you say, I will do for you. This happens inside of a person in his essence. Then they answered the king, as for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered us. So these seven troubles that Saul had and that were passed on uh, into the kingdom of David because he was an heir of it. And he says to the Gibeonites, we will, uh, the Gibeonites say, we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chooses. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took two sons, Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rispa, the daughter of Aiah, the two people who were given to the Gibeonites to hang before the Lord. These are Armoni and Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is the son of Saul. But Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, he said he will live. He hid him, but Mephibosheth, who was born from Rizpah, the son of Saul, he had given him to death. And the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, Mahalathite, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. So when harvest comes, these things come, the Lord begins to provide admonition to a person, it's necessary to hang them on the cross. And so in this event, the seven people from the tribe of Saul represented seven troubles living in the human body. Considering that David was the successor of the kingdom of Saul, the punishment of the Almighty was directed to the kingdom of Saul, whose successor was David. And in order to save David from the seven troubles, 
remaining in his kingdom from Saul. God instructed David with hunger or provided admonition through hunger, punishment through hunger. Why did he not punish Saul? Because Saul, he doesn't punish because he doesn't understand punishment. He doesn't punish himself, and he does not accept a punishment or correction from the anointed one of the Lord. And the Lord says, okay, we'll talk to you, I'll talk to you in eternity. I'm going to punish you in eternity. But David, he punishes during time. The final phrase, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days in the beginning of barley harvest. This event says, when and in what way our bodies will be delivered from the seven troubles that represent the power of death in our body, and in its place the power of life will be erected. After we come to power over our corrupt, perishable body, we became the successors of the kingdom over which our mind reigned over, behind which stood the power of seven troubles. And to work with God in getting rid of the seven troubles that remained in our bodies after the death of Saul, whom we lost in the death of the Lord Jesus in the face of our souls, we need to give these seven troubles to the hands of our Gibeonites, who are members of our body given into the slavery of righteousness. What kind of members of our body? So the Gibeonites, here Pastor Kadi writes that these are the members of our body that are given over into slavery of righteousness. They served in the temple. What kind of members? Hands? Feet? Ears? What specifically? Our tongue. Our tongue in the face of the Gibeonites given into slavery of righteousness, confessing the faith of God abiding in our hearts and the adoption of our Gibeonites will give God the foundation to deliver us from the power of death in our body in order to build up the power of life. Very difficult passage. I just want to highlight a very important thought here. That the adoption of our body depends on the Gibeonites. The condemnation of the seven troubles in our body depends on the Gibeonites. So, uh, depends on our lips. The Gibeonites are the members of our body given over to slaves of righteousness. So, our tongue, it proclaims the faith of God dwelling in our heart regarding the adoption. Practically, our tongue, without our physical tongue, the small organ in our body, without it, we cannot adopt our bodies. And in order for us to be able to do this, it is necessary to deal with these seven troubles. And scripture says that all of this happened during the barley harvest. And the barley harvest was the time of the first harvest. It talked about the first um, first sheaf. This is when the Lord is going to reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies. It's when saints are going to, at the door of their hope, receive this promise during the time of the barley harvest. And therefore, we must understand how important it is to see these Gibeonites, to see these lips that proclaim the word of God. They said, the Gibeonites had said, David, you can't hang the children of Saul. We can hang them. Give it to us. Allow us. We will be able to hang them. He says, how? Very simply. Very simply. I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. And I call the inexistent freedom from envy as existent. I hang one son. Lord, I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God, and I call the inexistent as existent envy 
from uh, envy and covetousness. That's the second sun that is hung. Take a look. You'll see what is happening. We use our. We are using our Gibeonites. Our Gibeonites. Our lips must hang before the Lord. All of these seven qualities. All of these seven traits through the Gibeonites. What a beautiful image. If you just if you think into this, what beauty that we see here, what beauty that we see here, that it turns out that the adoption of our body, in it, we see the spirit of David enabled, but David can't do anything without the Gibeonites, without our lips, without our proclamation, because the adoption of our body stands fully dependent on our physical tongue that proclaims the faith of God. Our physical tongue with nails it hangs all of these qualities on the cross lord your spill your spilled blood i i repent that i spread slander that i spilled your blood he says how how beautiful this is continue to hang all of these qualities troubles before my face david can't do this he says give me nights what do you need to do give me these seven qualities and we will hang them through our proclamation to the cross therefore the cross of christ this is that weapon through which we punish ourselves and we condemn those seven troubles, qualities which the Lord hates so that the Lord does not punish us in life. We punish them through the proclamation of our lips or through enabling the Gibeonites so that they can hang the seven sons of Saul. All right, the third question. How do we check ourselves for six signs that are designed to serve as a witness of us getting rid of the seven troubles? So if we, through our Gibeonites, we hang all of these seven qualities, the sons of Saul, then the Lord says that these six blessings, even seven blessings that are going to tell us that they, that, that these seven troubles hang on the cross. Let's take a look at that we have these signs that the Lord is our deliverer. And as we see, the Lord will be our deliverer when what when we punish ourselves or at least when the lord begins to punish me i agree with this lord it turns out that you hate this but i continue to do this but i despise this how do i be delivered david says how do i be delivered the gibeonites say allow me allow me to talk allow me to with the nails hang on the cross that are the qualities in the soul of a person let's look at six signs that tell us that we punish ourselves and that we are punishing ourselves. First, during famine, God will deliver us from death. Second, in war, God will deliver us from the power of the sword. Third, we will have the ability to hide from the scourge of the tongue. Fourth, we will not be afraid of destruction when it comes. Fifth, we will laugh at destruction and famine. And sixth, we will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. Given the format of the allegory, once considering the first sign, it follows. And so in the first uh, sign, it's during famine, God will deliver us from death. It follows that we are not talking about ordinary physical hunger, but the thirst for hearing the words of the Lord, as it is written in Amos chapter 8, verses 11 through 14. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. Why does the Lord send a famine? He begins to punish, to punish the earth. He begins to punish the church. I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. And all all the different websites of the internet looking for the word and they will not be able to find the word of God because the word of God dwells in Jerusalem. And that day, 
The fair virgins and the strong young men shall faint from thirst, the confessions, denominations. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. Here's how the Lord punishes them, and after this punishment, they will not be able to stand again. But we will stand. Scripture says that during famine we will not fear death, because the Lord will deliver us from death, but they will not stand. Deliverance from death during hunger will be given to that category of people who can live in the devouring fire, which they will perceive as the coolness of the day. And to live upon the devouring fire is possible when the Gibeonites, when the Gibeonites will be able to condemn all of these sons of Saul, these people. So a person who does not have Gibeonites in his essence and has not, through the Gibeonites, had hung all these qualities on the cross, he can't live. He can't live among the devouring fire. For Isaiah 33, 14-16 says, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Those hypocrites are those that have the seven troubles, the fullness of uncleanliness. We are righteous because we see these qualities in the old man and we have condemned them to death. And therefore, Scripture says, Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. A question asked, Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? And then the answer, He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. For us to have all of this, to hold our, um, despise the gain of oppressions, who refuse brides, to stop our ears from hearing of bloodshed, to shut our eyes from seeing evil. Have you seen what this sister has done? Have you heard about this brother or sister? Let me tell you this. Sometimes people say, do you want to, Do you want to learn everything about you? (laughs) A person can tell you even that which you don't even know about yourself. It would be interesting to learn. How can they know that which I don't know about myself? They even know more than you know about yourself, I am told. Well, thank God that we don't have these people in the church remaining. This is the language of eternity. Because this is in the old man. This is in every person. Why do people say with ease, someone said this about you. I say, you know, for me this isn't a surprise. I did the very same thing. And people with awe, they said, how can I, how can I be offended by this? Because these same sins I confessed before pastor. Can they not confess? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? I say, you are talking, telling me all the things that I went through. I left them, I confessed them, I repented, and therefore if God has forgiven me, why can't He forget them? He can't forgive them if, if they are righteous. And so when considering the second sign which is said in the words, God will deliver us from the power of the sword in a war, these are those who condemn these seven troubles in their life, it follows that this is not about an ordinary war, and not about an ordinary physical sword but about a spiritual war with wicked and lawless people who are in the midst of the chosen remnants of God. And the swords that they confront in this war with swords fearing God are their own interpretations and prophecies expressing their own desires. 
near the swords of the wicked and the lawless. Well, I see this, or the Holy Spirit tells me this. I don't agree with what Pastor says. We must understand that. That's it. Someone opened their sword. And he says, I have my own opinion. According to Scripture, I see it this way. But Psalm 63, 8 through 11 says, My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. How does we close the lips when they say, Well, I, according to scripture, see it this way. Well, you know, our pastor teaches us this. If you answer a person this way, even perhaps I have incorrectly passed along this thought in such beauty that Pastor Arkady says, but on the level of my faith and that formula which I understood it, you know, we say, this is how Pastor teaches us in the church. 99% the work is done and the person then stares back in shock. He says, he also says, I'm a member of this church, but all of a sudden behind my back is a large lion. Our pastor teaches us this way. They say, all right. And when we say, apostle, pastor teaches us this way in the church, that's it. We have uh, been able to arm wrestle this person and beat him. I saw these people. I saw people in our service standing at the table and saying, well, I, according to scripture, see it this way. I see things that way. They were previous preachers that had previously preached before. They s thought they saw the things differently. And one one other person who was another member, he says, brothers, this is what our pastor teaches us. And those other people stood silent. They began to then change the topic. They were quiet. Then they changed the topic. They had to somehow escape this foolish situation for them. Therefore, scripture says that the Lord will deliver us from the scourge, from the sword. When considering the third sign signified in our ability to hide from the scourge of the tongue of our enemies, it is necessary to consider the format of speech that controls and excites the emotional element of feelings towards deeds of injustice. So how do we hide from the deeds of injustice? Sometimes we say things that we ought not to, husband to wife, wife to husband, but we need to hide um, from the scourge of the tongue because if we don't correctly answer, then um, uh, this will be this will be um, destruction for us. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Proverbs 26.3 The image of a horse is the image of our emotional sphere that is excited and directed by our tongue. The ability of those who fear God to hide from the scourge of the tongue of the wicked and lawless people occurs through their wise language with which they guard themselves. Proverbs 14.3 In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Wise lips of those who fear God are those who profess the faith of God abiding in their hearts. It should be borne in mind that the method of defense loses its significance without a method of attack. So it's necessary to have the opportunity to attack as the Lord also does. Isaiah 
28, verses 17 through 21, I will also make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. So overflowing scourge, this is from the Lord. There's a scourge that is in the lips of a wicked person, but there is an overflowing scourge. And scripture says that this is from the Lord, that the Lord will punishment and you will be trampled down by it. As often as it goes out, it will take you. For morning by morning it will pass over, and by day and by night it will be a terror just to understand the report. For the bed is too short to stretch out on, and the covering so narrow that one cannot wrap himself in it. For the Lord will rise up at Mount Perizim. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon that he may do his work, his awesome work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. Here is what this overflowing scourge, devouring scourge, for it to not hit us, it's necessary for us to be delivered from this scourge, from the scourge of the foolish, who is presented in the face of the wicked, therefore, or the old demand, when husband and wife are yelling at one another, this we must stop right right away. When we are yelling at one another, we must stop right away, and we must be delivered from our scourge because a scourge is going to hit only those people who have not been delivered from their scourge, with which they hit their husband or or their wife. It's necessary to be delivered from it. A very important component. The Lord says, overflowing scourge will come upon. Therefore, I had listened this to the sermon again today. I had listened to the audio, and I placed it as a video while I was driving. Pastor was preaching. He was explaining it very well, and he says, we need to just agree at home that sometimes we are ignited, and sometimes we begin to speak loudly or yell. We must say, you know, dear, when let's agree that when we raise our voices, let's just be quiet 20 minutes be quiet not put wood in the fire and then everything will calm down just remain quiet and don't answer we must help one another in this therefore for example the wife is yelling at the husband don't throw wood in the fire or it's necessary to be quiet everything will calm down and then when things are calmed then we can speak with one another but we can't use our lips to, as a scourge toward one another he won't understand. And if we take him and shake him, he won't understand. You can't hit your husband or your wife in the face so that then they begin to see. Pastor said, just endure a little bit. Don't answer. Don't throw wood in the fire. Just be patient. And there might be 20 minutes, maybe towards the evening next day. Then speak about this later on. Just momentarily, whenever voices are raised, husband and wife know. Husband is yelling. Wife is yelling. Okay. Just be quiet and wait for these emotions to pass. Furthermore, when considering the fourth sign indicated in our ability not to be afraid of destruction when it comes, we should consider shipwreck in faith. So if we punish ourselves, then we will not be afraid of destruction when it comes, meaning we will not consider shipwreck in faith. Why? Because we have already we have already destroyed these seven troubles in our essence when we died in the death of the Lord Jesus. 
1 Timothy 1, 18-19 This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected, concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So for this to not happen, it is necessary for us to be delivered from the seven troubles. Furthermore, when considering the fifth sign signified in our ability to laugh at destruction and famine, it follows, so we should understand that our organized partaking to Jerusalem. Second Kings chapter 19, verses 20 through 35. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent Hezekiah, saying, Thus is the Lord God of Israel, because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, laughed you to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted up your eyes on high? Against the Holy One of Israel. I know your dwelling place, your going out and your coming in, and your rage against me. Because your rage against me and your tumult have come up to my ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back by the way which you came. For I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Syrians 185,000. And when people rose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So the Lord that was not joking. He says, I am going to laugh at, uh, in this case, Sennacherib, who went against Israel, who went to war against Israel, the Lord said to Ezekiah that the Lord will deliver you from him. He will also deliver us from the old man if we are going to judge and condemn all of these seven troubles which the Lord hates. And so when studying, then the sixth sign signified our ability not to be afraid of the beasts of the field because we are with them in peace. We should understand that these signify people vested with power and authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 31 through 34. I die daily. I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord that I die daily. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, so with those people who had resisted him, he called them beasts. He came to Ephesus and against him there was persecution. He began to be reproached and persecuted in his service. And Apostle Paul says to Timothy, these were beasts. When I had fought with these beasts, he calls these people, he says, when I fought with the beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 
In fact, the reason that we can have six available signs of deliverance, which we have read about, will be that we will have a covenant with the stones of the field and the animals of the field will be with us in peace. Fourth question, what covenant with which stones of the field are we talking about and what beasts of the field can we be with in peace? In this case, we should distinguish stones of the field with which it is possible to make a covenant from ordinary stones with which it is impossible to make a covenant as well as beasts of the earth from beasts of the field. So we have beasts of the earth, which Apostle Paul had said that I have fought with them in Ephesus. And here are beasts of the field with which we must be in peace with. So we must have a covenant with the stones of the field and peace with the beasts of the field. But with the beasts of the earth, with these people who resist the truth, we have a war. And so, the stones of the field with which we will make a covenant, thanks to which we will have six of the above signs of deliverance, this is a covenant of peace and fellowship with each other within the boundaries of holiness. So, Scripture calls us stones, stones of the field, the stones that are on the field, precious stones, and there must be a union between them. This is a union of peace and in. Uh, fellowship with saints and fellowship with one another but only in the boundaries of holiness and the beasts of the field with whom we will have peace indicate a good dependence of our emotional sphere on our thinking renewed by the spirit of our mind Matthew chapter 13 verses 37 to 43 says he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom of heaven, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here, this is referring to the field, the field upon which there is wheat and there is tares. So, wheat are those that have a union with the stones of the field. They have a stones and a partaking to a certain church. And those that have also peace with the beasts of the field. So their emotional sphere is made dependent on their thinking, on their thinking that was renewed by the spirit of their mind. And the fifth question, and then we will pray. What peace for our tent are we referring to? And how do we look after our house? as not to sin. It is specifically with the six listed signs we will know that our tent is in peace and we can look after our house so as not to sin. What is a tent that this is referring to here, our tent? A tent is a cover, a tabernacle, a tent. At the same time, a house is property under the cover of this tent. In scripture, under the tent, we mean the image of our body. And by house, we mean the way 
of controlling our thinking and emotions within the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord. So our tent and our house for which we will uh, look after in order to con- to be able to look after it. And this is the instruction that we have. And if you want to listen to the audio or to look at the video of this service, this is January uh, January 3rd, 2020, our Friday service. And I think it will bless you because there are lots of principles that Pastor had the opportunity to deeper and wider be able to explain as much as we had uh, as much as we were able to cover, we covered. But given that today is our prayer service, we will leave time for prayer, and therefore, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege to dwell in the place upon which is the remembrance of your holy name. We define this through the fact that upon this place dwells the truth the truth of the Word of God. Upon this place dwells your ladder, which unites with the heavens, and on it the angels of the Lord ascend and descend. On it we see you standing and speaking to us through your Word, through the preached Word of your messengers. Through your lips, the person whom you have clothed with the powers to represent the fatherhood of God on the earth, we thank you that we are continuing to hear this voice in those truths and in those commandments that were passed on to us, in which we have already heard and have accepted today in our heart. And today, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these precious treasures that are found in our heart, and we and they are already found there. They are already found on the golden table of showbreads because each time we hear your word, it then becomes in the control of our spirit and our heart. And we ask and we thank you, Lord, that you allowed us to remember to these truths today so that they can also be uh, be a part of our renewed thinking so that we can understand these commandments that then we can proclaim them, to proclaim them with our lips before your holy countenance. We thank you, Lord, that you have magnified your word because you are the Lord, our strength. We thank you and we ask that you magnify yourself in the name of the Lord, Rock, so that that word that we have accepted, those commandments and statutes, that they can today measure us, weigh us, and all of that which does not coincide with your divine standards for them to be able to condemn us. And we are ready today to represent, to present that which you hate in our essence in the face of the old man, in the face of all of the seven troubles, the qualities which show us the fullness of lawlessness which dwell in the wicked, but which today are also found in the old man. We thank you, Lord, that today you have provided admonition through our hearing of the word of God. But this admonition, we don't want it to come through your punishment. We want today, having heard your word to ourselves, commit this punishment over all of those qualities which are found in us and which you despise. We thank you that you have given us this admonition so that we can punish them and that we today can give all of these seven qualities to our Gibeonites, to our lips, so that we are able to hang them before your holy countenance. All of that which you despise, we despise. And therefore, Lord, 
we don't want you to punish us. We want today in this proclamation to punish all of that which you hate in us. Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, we condemn in ourselves a pride look. In the name of Jesus Christ, we condemn in our essence a lying tongue. In the name of Jesus Christ, we condemn in ourselves hands that spill blood innocent blood in the name of jesus christ we condemn in ourselves a heart that has evil thoughts in the name of jesus christ we condemn in ourselves feet that are swift to run to evil in the name of jesus christ we today condemn to death false witness that speaks slander and lies against our neighbor we despise this and we condemn this in ourselves in the name of jesus christ every attempt to sow discord among brethren we condemn in ourselves we repent lord before your holy countenance and we condemn all of this and we despise it we punish these qualities in ourselves in the name of the lord jesus we reject them so that lord when the time of the famine comes so you can deliver us from death so that when the time of war comes you lord can deliver us from the hands of our enemies so that we could receive the opportunity to hide from the scourge of the evil tongue so that when there is desolation that comes so that it does not come into our homes so that we can laugh at this desolation so that we can laugh at this famine so that we can no longer fear the beasts of the earth the wicked and the lawless that resist the truth because we have become this overflowing scourge for ourselves because we have judged and condemned all of these qualities in ourselves and we today lord are this scourge and we today present danger not just to saul in our essence but also to amalek to whom you said the remembrance of him should be fully blotted out before your face and you will blot it out and this lord you will do you will commit this judgment over the wicked that is in your body you will free your body from the tears you will bind them in sheaths and you will burn them by a devouring fire you have said lord that you will fulfill this that you will punish them because they did not want to see these seven troubles in themselves and to be delivered from them and therefore lord you are going to punish them and we thank you lord for your mercy your mercy that we today are able to judge ourselves and if we forget to judge ourselves we ask you lord to provide your admonition through your word to correct us to correct us through your word so that we may not be condemned with this world and we are going to be opened and this is going to be the best oil for us that is not going to provide danger to our head to our calling in the adoption of our body we thank you, Lord, for that anointing and for that authority which we have for our calling. And we ask you, Lord, for this anointing, for this authority, which today dwells in our spirit in the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ, for it to also take hold of our soul and to also take hold of our body when we, through our Gibeonites, in the beginning will nail before your face on the cross all of the seven troubles and then 
with these very Gibeonites, we will continue to serve you and to magnify your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for this service. We thank you, Lord, for this Zion. We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us today to have a union with the stones of the field, that today upon this place there are your precious stones. And we today, Lord, are found in union with one another. Because the beasts of the earth, our emotions, our feelings, are found under the rulership of our renewed thinking. And this allows us to keep union with which we made in Christ Jesus with one another. Because we are no longer dependent on our emotions, we can stoop down to one another. We can stoop down to the level and we will try to stay as to rise up to the level of saints that stand higher and we are thankful, thankful that they can stoop down to us. We thank you for that word that we had the opportunity to hear today through your anointed one. You have allowed us, Lord, so that this word can, uh, can be a part of our soul and our proclamation, but we believe, Lord, that you have plenty more truths mysteries which are supposed to become accepted in our heart we are continuing to take from our heart and place them in our soul we don't want our table to remain without bread we could receive it in our heart only from the person who plants the word we ask you Lord we pray for our pastor that your mercy could hurry in haste to do that service to which you have called him to, in which he serves with his spirit in order to open the mystery of Christ, to reveal the mystery of your kingdom. And Lord, our golden table of showbreads is ready, is ready to accept that revelation and those thoughts which you are ready to give us through he who plants. We also bless all those waters who allow this table that is called to be placed on the golden table of showbreads and to place it for the use of our soul, our thinking, our understanding. We also bless them. Out of your holy temple, we bless, Lord, each saint, and we thank you for that union the union of love that dwells upon this place. Our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us and to temptation deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory in unblemished joy to god our savior who alone is wise through jesus christ our lord be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now 
and forever. Amen.